0: Uh, it is wise that we take heed to the reality that this world is going to end. Uh, people put a great a lot of stock into preparing what we call here in the in Vancouver area, the big one, the expectation of an earthquake that's going to rip up and down this coastline and cause tremendous havoc. And of course, all the time, various officials are talking about seismic upgrades making sure that public buildings are safe places, emergency protocols, and that goes on and on. But here is something that is really going to happen for sure. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and I trust today you'll stay tuned right to the end as we come to the second coming of the Lord Jesus, Matthew 24. This is a statement of the return of Christ to this world. And just as the Lord destroyed the world in the days of Noah, so the Lord Jesus warned that men need to be prepared and to be ready for that event of the coming again of the Son of Man. On that day there will be horrific events, but most of all there will be the gathering in of true believers and the casting out of the wicked, the unbeliever. And I trust that today that you are saved, that you are ready for the kingdom of God, and that you have settled uh, the most important question of all, the salvation of Of your own soul. And so I trust that you will uh, continue with us as we turn to the pulpit ministry of our church today, Matthew 24, the coming again of the Son of Man. The text we have chosen for tonight is verse 44. Matthew chapter 24 and the verse 44. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. This text before us and this whole account in these chapters in Matthew's gospel, as in other gospels, have been a vital part of the Christian message from the very earliest of times. There was never a time, certainly in the New Testament church, when this message of Christ's return, the end of the world, and the gathering out of the righteous, the separation of the wicked, has not been a vital part of the message. Now, the Lord Jesus here was not bound to the short-term events of this world and this life. He spoke about another world, Now, we should be reminded that that other world is not just a future world. It's now. There is another world where the Father lives. There's another place where the saints who have gone before us are now presently ministering unto God. There is a place where there are the holy angels who gather around the throne night and day, and they worship the Lamb. There is a throne in heaven, another place right now, where the Lord Jesus answers prayer. And so we're not talking just about a future world here. We're talking about a present other world. And it's remarkable that our Lord Jesus, when he spoke about his Father's house, he didn't speak about a future world. He said, "'In my Father's house are many mansions.'" and he spoke in the present. And so it is this world and this life that must soon end. The other world will go on. The other present world shall continue for all eternity. Now, in these days when people are putting a lot of weight on evidence, on science, there are many people who have come to the conclusion that this world, this earth, cannot sustain itself. Even Richard Dawkins and some of those who uh, would certainly not be friends of Christianity, but they recognize that this world is running out. It cannot continue. And that's one of the reasons why there is this space race to try and populate another planet. It will sort of give humanity another option. Some have said a thousand years at the most, some have dated it variously. But the Uh, reality is hitting home that this world cannot continue on and on to sustain itself in a normal way. And so, these things that often cause people to fear and even to turn a deaf ear to the truth, but it is meant uh, to create uh, not just fear but preparation— because the Lord said, Watch, be ye also ready. And in our text, the Lord reasons with us to be ready for that event. And just as people prepare for earthquakes and mighty events in this earth, uh, it is wise that we take heed to the reality that this world is going to end, uh, people put a great a lot of stock into preparing what we call here in the in Vancouver area the big one the expectation of an earthquake that's going to rip up and down this coastline and cause tremendous havoc and of course all the time various officials are talking about seismic upgrades making sure that public buildings are safe places emergency protocols and that goes on and on. But here is something that is really going to happen for sure. And we don't know the day nor the hour. All we know is it is now a whole lot nearer than any one of us may think. And so, the Lord Jesus calls us to be ready. And for such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. I want to bring you tonight to some thoughts about watching and preparing for that great event of the Lord's return. Firstly, let's consider Christ's faithful warning to watch. Now, this is no lesser a person than our Lord Jesus, He who is God in the flesh, the one that we looked to as our Savior and our God. It is he himself who taught so solemnly and so clearly on events that surround his own return. Now, if the Lord Jesus himself had been silent on this and left these doctrines to the apostles to teach later, we would uh, be seriously handicapped, perhaps. We would say, well, how come our Lord Jesus, who is truth incarnate, he is the one who came to preach love and grace and kindness. How come he did not warn of these hard and difficult things? Well, the Lord did. And the one who was loved, the one who cares for souls, the one who came into the world to be the Savior and Redeemer of his people, he warned in his earthly ministry before the cross, before the resurrection, he warned faithfully that these things would take place. Now, we have them in the Old Testament as well. In fact, there's a little passage in the book of Jude where it talks about Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, "'Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints.'" I see some people flipping through their Bible, so I better give you the text. It's Jude verse 14. And that Enoch, of course, is right pre-flood. And so early in the history of the world, the knowledge of this end of the world, when Christ would come, not as a baby—that was his first coming—that was his coming as a Savior, Mediator, and Redeemer— But the fact of his coming as king of glory to wind up the affairs of this world, that knowledge was given right away back in the days of Enoch. And through the Old Testament, you have various hints and recognition of that greater day when this world shall wrap up. And so the Lord continued that, and he expounded on that very, very carefully and in detail. The Lord was certainly not short on giving facts. We know what false prophets do. We know what those who try to deceive do. They always speak in generalities. There's going to be an end. The end of the world's coming. It's going to come someday. It's going to come somehow. But they don't give specifics because it's the specifics that catch out the false prophet. But when you look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus on this matter, He gave us many particulars. Look at verses 30 and 31, and you will see some of the, the very close details that are given. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect— from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now these are very detailed, clear facts. There is the personal, bodily return of the Lord Jesus, and he will be visible to every eye. That agrees with Revelation 1, that every eye shall see him. He will return visibly and that is now a fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith. If we call essential Christian doctrines, that's one of them, the bodily, physical, visible return of the Lord Jesus. In verse 31, that return will initiate the reaping of the world, the gathering out of God's elect. The angels will come forth— The book of Revelation describes it as the sickle being cast in, and the command goes forth to reap, and there is the gathering in of the saints. In Matthew 13, the Lord told the parable of the wheat and the tares. The tares are allowed to grow until that day when the Lord returns until harvest, and then the wheat is gathered first, and so the Lord is going to take out of this world. His people. You'll notice here in verse 31 also the reference to the sound of a trumpet that is carried out by, uh, emphasized again by Paul. uh, When the resurrection day appears, at the sound of the trump, we shall rise and be with Christ. And then you will see that the elect, the people of God, are gathered in from all ends of the world and none will be lost. Praise God for that. So, if you're a Christian tonight, you are one of God's elect. The Lord is coming for you. He's coming for His people. Now, there are some old-time prophetical preachers, and they make a whole pile of difference between the Lord coming with His people and the Lord coming for His people. Well, if you understand it in the big picture, it all happens at one event, because we're told the Lord will come with the saints, and there will be the descending of the Lord with the ten thousands of the saints. And I'm not even sure you can take that literally. It's going to be a great multitude of glorified saints who will descend to, with the Lord to the earth. And on that same time, He will come for His saints. That's the saints on earth, the saints that might even be in the grave He's coming to open the grave, raise up the Christian, and we shall forever be with the Lord. And so we are given tremendous detail, and that's faithful warning, because if you are going to be prepared, if you're going to put weight to this, you need to realize you have the specifics. Now, of course, we don't have how every detail of this will play out, but there are tremendous facts that are laid out that are sufficient to prepare us to know that this is real, this is going to happen, and there is very little ambiguity. We can call these concrete facts, things that you can stand upon and be sure that they are going to happen. Now, no Bible reader will ever say, well, I didn't know. Absolutely not. Now, there's many things in the Bible that we get to heaven we might say that about. There will be a number of things that we had no idea, but when it comes to the doctrine of the Lord's second coming, His appearing in the clouds, His winding up of the affairs of the world, His separating the righteous from the unrighteous, that is a fact that every Bible reader understands because it is revealed it is recorded, and it is given in sufficient facts that we know. And therefore, no preacher has the right to say that these things are not important. These things have no place in the Christian church. And no hearer of the gospel, including us here tonight, will stand before God and say, well, I heard about those things, but I couldn't figure them out. I assure you that will not be an excuse on the day when you stand before God, because they are clearly and sufficiently revealed. Now, the Lord also faithfully warned of the suddenness of this event upon the world. And if the Lord is going to be faithful, if He really loves souls, He's not doing this to damn souls. He is doing this that men might be ready, that they might prepare for that event. And he's going to say, now, if you're going to be ready, be warned of this, that the Lord is going to come suddenly, unexpectedly, in the vast proportion of things in the world. And to emphasize that, he spoke of coming as a thief in the night. Now, there's one thing a thief never does. He never leaves a note saying, I'm going to come back at a certain hour or time, and that's when I'm going to do my foul deed of breaking into your home, that the thief works by secrecy, by a time that no one knows when he will come. Now, the hour was secret, but the event itself is not a secret. When we talk about the secret of coming of the Lord, that's no excuse for not getting ready. That is an emphasis to be ready. The hour is a secret, but the event is absolutely certain. And every one of us is duty-bound and expected to be ready for that great event. Now, the Lord also in faithfulness warned of the final separation that's going to be caused on that day. Because if this is a Uh, a non-event makes no real big difference, then people might wash it off and say, let's not worry about it. But the Lord emphasized that this is going to change destinies. Now, we're told here that as it was in Noah's day, and he warned of this final separation. Now, Noah's day it was final. You are either in the ark or out of it. You were either in the ark in safety or you were drowned, lost, and separated. And it didn't matter what your relationship to Noah, to Noah's family. It didn't matter what friendships you had. It didn't matter what, what agreements you had. If They were in and you were out. You were lost. And the Lord warns here in this passage that in the day of his coming, there's going to be a, a, a tremendous separation. There's going to be two working in the field. One is taken, the other left. Two will be working at the mill. These are ordinary agricultural tasks that were common in Bible times. Working at the mill, one taken, the other left. When the trumpet sounds and the Lord returns, it's going to be a a final separation between those who even have the closest relationships on earth And in another gospel, of course, the Lord spoke of two in one bed. One is taken, and the other is left. Now, the strongest text on this separation, this finality of the event, is really the final verse in the chapter, verse 51. And shall cut him asunder, and appoint him as portion with the hypocrites, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I want to pause a moment and point something out. Every verse that we've read, verse 29 to the end, um, is what we call didactic teaching. It's not parabolic. There's no imagery here. There's no analogies here. There's no figure of speech. These are facts. These are bold, plain, hard, concrete facts. And in this final verse, the Lord says that on that day men will be cut asunder, separated. You will see wives torn from their, the very arms of their husbands and vice versa, children that were loved in their homes, left parentless because they're out of Christ without a Savior. They will be cut asunder and appointed a portion with the hypocrites. Now, that warns me that there may be people who are close to living a Christian life. From all appearances on the outside, they look like they are living a Christian life, but all the while they are to be joined with the hypocrites. And then lastly, in weeping and gnashing of teeth.
1: When my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, WHEN THE BRIGHT AND GLORIOUS MORNING I SHALL SEE. I SHALL KNOW MY REDEEMER WHEN I REACH THE OTHER SIDE. AND HIS SMILE WILL BE THE FIRST TO WELCOME ME. I SHALL KNOW HIM. I shall know him, and redeemed by his side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him, by the print of the nails in his hand. Oh, the soul-thrilling rapture when I view His blessed face and the luster of His kindly beaming eye! How my full heart will praise Him for the mercy, love, and grace that prepare for me a mansion in the sky! I shall know him, I shall know him And redeemed by his side I shall stand I shall know him, I shall know him By the print of the nails In his hand Through the gates To the city In a robe of spotless white He will lead me where no tears Will ever fall In the glad song of ages I shall mingle with the light, but I long to meet my Savior first of all I shall know him, I shall know him and redeem by his side I shall stand I shall know him. I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand, I shall know him, yes, I'll by his side I shall stand. I shall know him. I shall know him.
0: By You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Thank you for joining with us, and I trust that your own heart has been drawn to consider your need to seek the Lord and be prepared for that great day when the Lord Jesus shall descend in power and in glory. Just a few questions on this. Christ did not speak in generalities. Why Why does that make a difference? Well, the false preacher and the false teacher will speak about generalities. And it's very difficult to pin them down on the absolutes of whether that has been fulfilled or not. But when the Lord Jesus preached, he spoke in great detail. He spoke about his own physical bodily return. And he spoke about every eye will see him. And uh, this will be the command to reap and to gather in the harvest between the wheat and the tares. It's going to be the sound of the trumpet, the open graves, and he's coming for the saints. Now, this is the mark of a true prophet, true teacher, and the Lord Jesus, giving all of these details, has filled in the picture for us what we are to look for and the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we are not building on some vagaries. We're not building on some mist or cloud, but on the sure, solid facts that they have been laid out for us and will be fulfilled at the return of the Lord Jesus. The question now is, are we ready? Is our soul saved? Is our name written in the Lamb's book? Are our sins forgiven? Do we have upon us the garment and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which we will be declared right with God, saved by grace. On that judgment day, those who are in Christ will be raised to incorruption and shall live with Christ for all eternity. And so we ask you to take this to heart today. Let this be your uh, immediate response. I need to be saved. I need to be right with God through faith in the Lord Jesus. And so we commend to you the message of salvation and call you to trust and believe, and the Bible promises that you shall be saved. So stay tuned now for the closing announcements today. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I truly thank you for joining with us on the program today. And we certainly need another Reformation in Canada. So keep listening. And each week at this time on this station, we'll be here to bring the message of the gospel. We need every listener not only to be built up in the gospel, but to stand with us and to go forth with the gospel. We can send you gospel leaflets, which you can distribute to your friends and family. You can be a missionary in your own community. Now, for all the information about our church ministry and our radio broadcast, go to ltbs.ca. You'll even there be able to download copies of these leaflets. You can print them out, copy them, distribute them, or if you'd like us to send you hard copies in the mail, just send me an email. This is Pastor Ian Golliher at Radio at gmail.com. That's my email, Radio at gmail.com, or call me at 604 897 zero. Our heart's desire is to get the gospel across this nation. Souls are perishing. The gospel of our Lord Jesus is still the power of God unto salvation. And I trust that you will stand with us, that you will support us, that you will be an encourager as week by week, Sundays and Monday to Friday in some areas, we let the Bible speak. Thank you, for being a part of the program today. Join us again on this station at this time next week.